for Yom Kippur because I have a lot of apologies to do. Number one is, I'm sorry about the source sheets. I thought I had collected more last week. Number two is, I generally try to be as prepared as I can. This week we had some excitement. I'm sorry you missed the draw show. I had to give it over in the NICU. No, I it over. Best audience I ever had. Some of them were sleeping, some of them were awake, no one heckled. Not that anyone would ever do that here. Um, so, again, I, I try to be as prepared as possible. If I am a little one step behind, I hope you forgive me. If you don't forgive me, my contract is up in two years, and you'll remember it. Um, okay, so, also, because I don't have to get through as much tonight, we can go a little slower, which... For my old brain is very helpful. Okay, so let's begin. Last week we discussed where does the Siddur come from? We talked about how this, this misconception, as in almost, someone might think, the Anche Knesset Hagadola put together this text, and all that's left for whatever publisher it is, the RCA edition, the Koran edition, the Birnbaum edition, the the art school edition is to choose the color of the page, of the cover, and choose you know what what exactly going to look like. But other than that, every sitter should be the same. And Rabbi Lipiansky dispelled that notion, and he said, "Quote: Looking for the ultimate sitter is a chimera. It just it's impossible to find it." He tried to get as close as he could. He ended up putting out a sitter with two accompanying volumes. I forgot to mention that last week. <laughs> Trying to just give you all the different background to the sitter. Can you hear me? Charles, can you hear me down there? Yes, we can. No talking in class. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. And no passing notes. Do you let your kids eat in class? After recess. After recess. Okay. Like there's a allotted time that they're allowed, not allowed to eat. That's not me, by the way. It's background music. Trust to create a sense of emotional you know, overtones here. Okay. What we discussed last week, therefore, was we went through a quick journey of the sitter. We said, first of all, how do you know you have to daven? There was Machlokas, the Rambam, and the Ramban. Both of them, one said, Ramban saying it's the Rabbanon, the Rambam saying it's the Oraisa. We seek the Paschal more like the Ramban. However, however, we still said, according to the Ramban, there is an obligation to daven, at least on a rabbinic level, or a biblical level, the Eighth Sarah, when there is in time of need. We also mentioned, according to the Rambam, there's no set time, there's no set amount, there's no set text. And therefore, the Magan Avram jumped up and down and said, if that's true, so A, a woman obviously has to daven because there's no set time, but all she has to do is say something small and she fulfills her obligation. We then discussed a lot of other things I don't remember. We then discussed, <laughs> Chazar is very important. Based off that, we then discussed the Shulchan Aruch talking about women are five to daven. We, and again, we said it's, it's important to use this as a test case because we can see the Overall obligation. Um, the Ramban said they have to daven a, a lot more. Mincha, um, the Archishokan said Mariv, and we ended, and then we, then we started going through the actual sitter. Anshis Ekenes Sagadola, this body of 180 people, including Mordechai, who we know, he established, they established the Shmon We then discussed the idea of Piyutim, these, these poetry, which we found, we saw throughout davening. Our regular davening on Shabbos, Tikanta Shabbos, Ratzisa, it's a Piyut. And how that may have started in the Tanakh period, but really flourished in the Middle Ages, whenever the Kalir lived. We discussed how piyutim are more than just nice poetry to create an you know, emotional overtone like the music Charles is playing back there. <laughs> but rather, piyutim 
we find Tosfos will quote them the halacha. The Rav said they may have a din of Dabr Shagdusha, which in the event, Chas Vesholom, you may be somewhere where there's no minion for Slichos, it has an Afkamina. That wouldn't happen to us. No. Then we discussed how the 14th and 15th century, the Maharil laid the groundwork for what we call Minag Ashkenaz, including this idea that there are certain set Nugunim and Nuschos that we cannot change. And we discussed how some of those are supposed to evoke, again, certain emotions, like the, the same tune of some sort to Eicha, etc. The next, in, in the final, I guess, uh, place that we're stopping in this, uh, in this uh, journey of the Siddur is in Svap. And that is the world of the Arizal of Kabbalah, where we discussed, that's where Kabbalah Shabbos came from, the Shara Kabbalah, the um, uh, Shalom Aleichem, and lots of other more Kabbalistic elements. And that leads us to today. Are we ready? Okay. So, to go again, as usual, these things will be taking a lot more time. We're going to try to do a quick overview, but as thorough as we can. So, first there's brachos. Brachos are the things we say in the morning. Most of them are found actually in the Gemara. Many of them at the end, or most of them at the end of tractate brachos. So that is, well, I don't want to focus on that. That everyone says, one should say, you should say it. Followed with Birch Torah. I also don't want to dwell on Birch Torah. Everyone is obligated, says the Shulchan Aruch, and Birch Torah, both men and women. Everyone jumps up and down and says, why are women chayv of Birch Torah? Birch Torah is about the obligation to learn Torah. A woman shouldn't be obligated, is not obligated to learn Torah, so she should not, should not be obligated in saying Birch Torah. Right? If a woman is not obligated to learn, she's not obligated to say the bracha on it. She's obligated to know certain Ah, so comes along the Muggan of Ram sitting all in the back, right? <laughs> and he says, not only does a, can you choose to dive very little, but also, but also, woman in Erica, but also there are certain halachas she's obligated to learn it. Yes? The bracha is not my mother, but it's Oh, the bracha is not I don't know what you're saying, but I'm assuming you're quoting the Beis Halevi and the Rav Chai, the, sorry, the Brisker Rav. Like everything is Torah. Oh, so we can. I, I, this is taking me down a rabbit hole, which I don't want to go down to. But let's just quick to quickly flesh it out a little bit, and that's as follows. What do you say? We can just quickly to flesh it out. One quick little rabbit hole, rabbit. Okay. Um, it's, it's your bailiwick. Okay. So just to quickly flesh it out very quickly, the women are obligated. So the question obviously is why? Why are women obligated? So the grub points out. Women aren't obligated. We know Ashkenazi women can choose to say brachos even on the mitzvot they are putter from, such that a woman is not technically obligated to shake lulav, but she can elect to shake lulav and thereby make the brach as well. Whereas Svardim, like the Rambam, do not pass in that way, and the Svardim women do not make brachos on things they are not obligated, which is going to come back to uh, our discussion when we get to Pesukah Zimmer. The problem with this grub, the problem with this grub, and obviously the grub knew this, the grub knew Kolta, Akula, and more, is that the Shulchan Aruch himself, Marana Mechaber, is the one who says a woman is obligated to be a Torah. So if the Shulchan Aruch in one place says a woman cannot make brachas on things she's not obligated in, in another place he says, oh, they can make brachas on Birch Torah, even though they're not obligated to learn the Torah, so don't tell me it's because she's electing to make the bracha, because the Shulchan Aruch does not allow for that. Right? You got it? So what are the answers? So one is the Magen Avram. The Magen Avram says a woman is chayved in things, to learn about the things that she has to do. You can't just, you can't just you know, one day decide to do halacha if you don't know halacha, and therefore there's a process of learning. Furthermore, there are certain things women say every single day. One of them being says, says, says I don't know if Mogadabram says explicitly, I think, I think he might. 
Carbonos. Women are achayev and carbonos, which we'll get to in a minute. And therefore, that's what they're, they're chayev for. The problem with this Mogan Avram, and of course we love the Mogan Avram, and he's sitting with us right now, <laughs> is that one can make an argument as follows. This is what the, uh, the Briskarov wants to say, and the Rochanan says this as well, is that the, uh, the fact that you're learning in order to do, is that, what, is that a mitzvah of Talmud Torah, or more of it's preparatory so that you could do the mitzvah properly? How much of that can you say is learning, and how much is not really learning? It's not learning for the sake of learning the Shema, but it's learning... I'm out. I'm sorry. You have to share. Or how much of it... No, you're learning just so that you can... So that you can... Uh, you can uh, know do the proper halacha, and therefore it's less about actual learning and more about the preparatory stage. And if that's true, we don't make brachas on the preparatory stage. We don't make a bracha when you build a sukkah. If you're going to quote your Yushalmi, like when I, I gave a share this once, the guy's like, oh, you do. I know the Yushalmi, we're not going to talk about it. We don't make a bracha when you shut it. You don't make a bracha when you set up the Hanukkah candles. We don't make brachas in the preparatory act. We make it on the actual mitzvah itself. If that's true, so our Mogadav rums in a little hot water. So why would we make it a bracha? And that's where the Briskarov, Erika, of Ochanan, and many others say as follows. The bracha is la'asok. It's, we're not making a bracha on the actual learning, but on the chefs of Torah. The fact that we have the Torah, the fact that Sherbachar ban Mikolam, we're, we're given the Torah, we're making a bracha to Berchas, what he wants to say is a Berchas Hashevach. It's a praise to Hashem, not a regular bracha is, God, I want to eat this uh, delicious cake, pray my name is Onus. God, I'm going to shake the lulav, give me permission to shake this lulav, wherever you want to look at Birchas a Mitzvah, you make a bracha. Birchas the Torah is a whole different animal. It's a bracha on. Shevach, like Birchas Amazon. Thank you, Hashem. Joey Newcomb would love that. Thank you, Hashem, for allowing me to learn Torah. Thank you, Hashem, for giving me the Torah. And that everyone has a part in. Man, woman, slave, and everyone in between. So that's Birchas Torah. So therefore, everyone has an obligation to say Birchas Torah, probably biblically. Yeah, biblically. Let's put it that. Let's, 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 let's have conviction tonight. <laughs> so much so that let's say you wake up early, early in the morning, and you go and you do the daf. And you finish the daf yomi, and you finish your coughing, and you're like, wait a minute, did I make Birchus Torah yet? I don't remember. Because it's biblically mandated, you have an obligation to repeat Birchus Torah, which we don't say about other brachos, because you, normally, normally we say, Suffolk brachos lachel, if you don't remember if you said a bracha, so Suffolk brachos lachel, so you assume you said it or it's okay. But here, the, here it's a Suffolk deraisa lachumra. There's a deraisa principle here, a, a deraisa obligation, therefore you have to say it. So that's Birchus Torah. Good. Questions, comments, observations? I don't want to heckle. <laughs> okay. Let's move on. So that you finish Birchaz Torah, you finish Brachos, we now move on to Karbonus. Someone once pointed out... Are we lumping Birchaz Torah and Brachos and Shachar together? We, we, we talk about them. Someone pointed out once, the first, time, the first thing that you sacrifice when you come late to davening is Karbonus. <laughs> Very often, congregations do not say carbonus as sacrifices. What exactly are they? So you open the sitter. For some people, maybe a novel thing to see this, because a lot of people skip it. Between Birchas Hashachar, the brachos, and Pesukim the Zimra, there's a lot of things we say. A lot of things we say. In fact, let's do some show and tell. It's in the art scroll. It's also in the RCA. It's in every sitter, lest you think that we removed it. You don't say exactly. So first of all, we say a lot of things. Some things we say, we, we, if you notice, we say psukim, we say a mishnah, we also say brisas. And the idea there is to get 
you know, right up the Sefer Yerachim's Torah to cover all three major areas in Torah Shabbat Pet. And right, okay, that's that's less important for now. There are, um, there are. We mentioned the Akedah. I'm sorry. We talk about the idea of a Yitzchak being sacrificed by Avraham, which the Mukabon talk about is a way to bring Midas Harachemim, bring Hashem's mercy on us. In fact, I remember the very beginning of the pandemic, Rav Asher Weiss spoke and he said, after you've taken all your precautions and you're staying at home and you're not going out and you're flattening whatever curve we've tried to flatten. Whatever it may be, he said also some schoolers. And he's not usually into schoolers, but he said, say, say, say the parashas haketam. Okay? We then say some lots of other things. By the way, nice little part in that. We say, First, there should always be someone who's a Yerushimayim, have fear of God, both uh, in private and in public. One of our Rebbeim, or Blachman, said, put the comma somewhere else. Comma. Before everything, be a person. Be a mensch. And then we can talk about Yerushimah and Sesev Okay. We say Shema. By, uh, we say Shema. One of the reasons we say Shema here is because if you miss Man Prishma, if you start a minion at a time where you may miss Man Prishma, Zman were very, very important. And if you miss Man Prishma, you miss the biblical requirement to say Prishma at the right time. So we say Shema here. That's one of the reasons. And then we get to Karbonus. Why, why, why do we only say the first line? So that's... So... Not uh, again, that's only one of the reasons. If you're actually going to miss it, you probably should say all of it. Lastly, w- lastly, there are many Rishonim who think the biblical command to say Krishna does not extend to the entire Krishna. What exactly is it? Every possible... It's, well, you can get every possible permutation. Everything from the first Pusik, the first paragraph, the second paragraph, all three, all three with the brachos. All right. What is Karbonus? Why do we say Karbonus? Karbonus essentially are, at the beginning of Ayikra, you open it up. It's that part of the Torah that some people get really bored at when we do, and some people like me who love Karbonus get really excited. And if I tried to give a shir on Karbonus, everyone would fall asleep. Maybe. So, what are Karbonus? It's, there's a daily sacrifice that's brought in the temple. Essentially, we discussed in the past, we gave a thrush on this. Philos are connected to Karbonus Tetnu. The fact that every day part of the sacrifice in the temple was... You brought a carbon tumbage shall shachar, a carbon in the morning, and a carbon tumbage shall be revived, a carbon in the afternoon, right? Bracketing the day with two carbonos. And then throughout the day, there were all sorts of other carbonos that were brought that were not tied to the day unless it was a special day, like carbon musaf, which is on a holiday. We bring our photos, we bring a special carbon. That's the carbon musaf, that's where musaf comes from. But it, there were all sorts of personal carbonos. If you, someone sinned or someone just felt the need or desire to connect to Hashem in that sort of way, you bring a shlamim, etc. There's the carbon mincha. There are all sorts of carbonos. Again, if you go through Vayikri, you'll see they're coming up. And there are many, many, many laws involved in carbonos. But essentially, it, breaks, it comes down to the sacrifices in the temple. And because we, and, and because tefillah is connected to carbonos, we seem, it seemingly we invoke the idea of carbonos before we begin davening. But I want to argue it goes much deeper than that. And you have to turn to the page number four to see the first of the Marim Mekavos. Omar Avraham. Says Avram. Anyone hear about Avram before? Omar <laughs> Avram. This is Abraham. Abraham, the fa- our father. The very first Jew, maybe. Says as follows. Rebonish Olam. He turns to God. And he says to him. Okay, I, I cut out part of the Gemara. Oh, no, fine. Perhaps one day my children will sin in before you. How do I know God? 
How do I know, God, that one day the Jewish people are not going to sin in some grievous way in which you're going to want to destroy them the way you destroyed the world during the Mabel or the Dar HaFlaga? So I'm going to lay, I'm not going to do it. Don't worry, Abram. I'm not going to. All good. So God came to me and said, Yossi, I'm not going to do something. You know what I would say? Thank you. I'm not going to ask for a guarantor. I'm not going to ask for a proof. It's God. Abram, not so, not so much. Amram Lefanov. Ribono Shalolam. Hodianim Ma'arashena. Prove it to me. Prove it to me. Sorry, God. We're not talking about just some nice promise. You're not, talking, you're not going to give me just Gadol. You're, you're talking about the future of my children. Prove it to me that you are not going to destroy them when you get angry at them. So, Take for yourself a calf that's, that's cut into thirds and a and an, uh, a is a goat cut into thirds. What's he? What's this talking about? Anyone? Brisbane Basar. Exactly. So what essentially Hashem says to, to Avram is, don't worry, I'm not going to destroy them. And you know why I'm not going to destroy them? Because they're going to bring karbonos. And the karbonos are going to be a reach nichoach to me. It's going to be a beautiful smell. It's going to pacify me. It's going to mollify me. It's going to make me happy. I'm not going to destroy them. Side note here, one of the questions one can talk about is, if you look throughout Tanakh, Tanakh is probably the greatest Musa work ever written. If you look throughout Tanakh, there are times when God gets angry in the, the Yermiyah or Yeshiyah will come, often on Yermiyah will come to Jewish people and say to them, like, you, you think God cares about a building on a hill made from sticks and stones and some meat and blood? Yeah, exactly, blood you're bringing. I don't want, God doesn't want your carbonos. God doesn't want your, God doesn't want your building. It's all there in order to teach you and inculcate you in certain lessons about being a certain type of person. You can't decide that, oh, don't worry, God, I'm going to act a certain way. In the market. I'm going to act a certain way with the people around me. I'm going to act a certain way even between me and you and God. But don't worry, all is good. I'm going to go to the temple and I have that relationship there. You can't say just because I go to Shul and Daven, I'm a good person. God does not want those tefillahs. And we're not going to quote exactly the Pasuk that God says about those tefillahs. But it's not very nice. It's not very nice at all. But okay. Let's leave that. That's a question that's going to be lurking somewhere. One day we can discuss it. God says to Avram, don't worry. I'm not going to destroy the Jewish people, because they're going to bring carbonos. So, again, if that was me, I'd say, okay, thank you, God. I am not putting you on the stand. You are God. I am only God's son. And therefore, I'm not going to argue. I'm not God's son, if anyone thought. Grandson. What did he say? I said, that's what's going on outside. Exactly. It's happening in Fuslar. It's Avraham was not happy with this. Okay, great God, that works. When there's a temple standing in Jerusalem. So then they're bringing carbonos, and I get it, you're not going to destroy them. But I have a problem with you, I have a problem. I know, I know through whatever prophecy that there's going to come a time where the Jewish people are not going to have a base of English for whatever reason. They're not going to be bringing daily carbonos for whatever reason. And I leave that as a big question mark, why not? If that's true... So how do I know, God, you're not going to destroy them then? If you are telling me, God, the only reason, the last recourse, the thing that's preventing you when you're finally fed up with them from destroying them is the fact that they're bringing carbonos. Well, there's going to be a day when you're not bringing carbonos. How do I know you're not going to destroy them? So says God to Avram, I taught them the Seder carbonos. 
Says God, I taught them this idea of carbonos, how to say carbonos. And when they say carbonos, I will make it as if they brought their carbonos. That's the Gemara. That when we say carbonos, and it's interesting, you could find certain commentators who extend this to other areas of Torah as well, like the Lavangarti. But Certainly, when it comes to carbonos, there's a certain, there's some sort of idea that when one does carbonos, reads carbonos, it's as if they brought them. And this actually comes up in multiple places in Shas. The um, there's a Gemara in Bab Metziah in the ninth parak, where and I'm not remembering the story. This happens when you don't get enough sleep. In the ninth parak, where someone I forgot one of the Tanaim, I believe encounters Eliyahu Hanavi, and they have a back and forth in the context of, the, of it. It's mentioned that they keep the four Siddhar uh, Mishnayas. He goes, I keep all halacha, I keep all four Siddhar Mishnayas that are applicable to Zmanazeh. So you're saying, what are the four that are applicable to Zmanazeh? Well, you can't, not Zrayim, because you can't plant in Israel. We're not living there, we're not living in Israel. So it's going to be Moe, which is Yom Tovim. It's going to be Nashim, you know, getting married, divorce, etc. Nazikin, towards civil law, and Kachin, based off this Gemara. That it's, he says that's evil. It's as if I keep kachim. That when I say the kachim, when I read kachim, it's as if I'm bringing them. In the Chavetz Chaim, the Hebrew Chavetz Chaim, he went on a mission for a couple of reasons, but one of them was people have to start learning kachim again. Because the base of Middash is going to come, and Kohanim are going to need to know kachim. So Kohanim need to learn, need to learn kachim so that they can keep the practical halacha. But then he goes further and says, and what about everyone else? Everyone else needs to learn Kachim because when you, when you learn Kachim, it's as if you're bringing the Karbanos. And he has literally a tour de force in the introduction to his three-volume set on Kachim, where he goes through all these reasons about the importance of learning Kachim, and how learn, through learning Kachim and, learn, and reading Kachim, it's as if you bring Karbanos. So I think it's an interesting thing to walk away from, to recognize there's a whole area of, of, of Torah, which we generally think is not applicable to us, but... But we can actually, in a way, bring sacrifices just by learning about them. So that's just, again, that's very interesting. But then it gets comes down to the halacha. And that's as follows. Rabbeinu Yonah says, and this is, again, the most extreme formulation of this, and he's definitely an outlier, but I think it's worth talking about. Rabbeinu Yonah is a commentary on the, on the riff in Brachos. Rabbeinu Yonah was, again, from Girona. He wrote many interesting svarim. He wrote... Shari Tshuva, most famously, it's a work, an ethical work, which again has many halachas in it. And then his Talmidim put together, it seems to be, different discourses from his yeshiva and halacha from yeshiva around the Rif, which is the Rivafasi, one of the major halachasis in the back of the Gemara. So on Trachia Brachos and Brachos is where you can find it. And he says as follows. This is again on page four. Umizeatam hitiknu lomer parashat kabonas alpeh bechol yomim neishu chovuk tamrinim bimedrash. And the way the Medrash says, there's a chov to say karbanos. And he quotes our Medrash, again, with the whole, the whole idea. And then he says, um, okay. But the way he phrases it, it seems to be, and again, Rav Shechter reads it this way, many people read it this way, Rabbeinu Yonah actually thinks karbanos are a da'araisa, which is wild, especially the fact that we always sacrifice the karbanos. It's wild. Rabbeinu Yonah seems to think it's da'araisa. So I had the question, what if, if that's true, if you had to choose, Pesukli de Zimra, you come like the Davening Law later, you had to choose Pesukli de Zimra versus, versus Karbanos, or 
you didn't, you wanted to daven, you didn't want to daven. It seems to be Karbonah should take precedence. So I had someone ask Rav Shech, and Rav Shech was like, just take Karbonah after, after so it's Zimra. But I found, quoted from Rabbi Yoshev, Amira's parsha the Talmud, this is about Yudbeis, Adifal parsha the the parsha the Talmud is the most important, the more important parsha the Torahs, Amira's parsha the Talmud, who parsha the Torahs, Lefnei Baruch Amar, Adifa Amira's Pesukah de Zimra. It seems to be, Yerol Yashiv actually thought this to be true. That if you had to triage, if you had to decide what are you going to say, Pesukah de Zimra or Karbonos, barring Ashrei and, the, and two of the Hamalukas, you say Karbonos, by that we mean Parshas Hatomit. And I think it's something we should all think about in terms of even in our everyday davening. It takes literally 35 seconds, but it may be a Kim Daraisa. And if it's not a Kim Daraisa, you have this idea about how it brings Hashem's mercy onto us. It's something that's clearly as if you brought carbonates. You have a question back there? What page? What page? Okay. In the art scroll, it's on page 30. In the RCA Sitter Avodah Halev, which just looks just like the Koran, but it's not the Koran. But it kind of is. It's on page... Hey, drum roll, where's, where's your music? <laughs> it's on page... 36. It's literally, it's, it's one paragraph, and you'll recognize it, it's the same paragraph we say, um, the laning of Rosh Chodesh. So that's where it gets very interesting. A lot of the Mishnah starts quoting a lot of similar halachos to the actual carbonos in the base of Megdash. So time, it's time bound. They also talk about how you should stay standing. Can you say it three times then? Or you so that's where the Hasidim and the Nusaf Svar are very mocked, but they say that's three times twice. We, we, we are not. I mean, if you want to, you know, call it Kavod. But again, it's, it's literally one paragraph. It, it takes 30 seconds. And anyone who's heard Rosh Chodesh Davening you know, enough times is very familiar with it. Okay, that is Carbonos. Any questions, comments? Okay, moving right along. We still have time, right? We still have time. I was going to be sarcastic and say, for you it's 35 seconds. For me it's maybe 60 or 70. Okay, 60 or 70 seconds. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll find time in our day. <laughs> Next is Psuke de Zimra. What is Psuke de Zimra? What are we doing? Why are we saying it? What's going on here? And I wish I could go much more in detail, but. Says the Gemara Shabbos on 118b. That's Kuf Yud Ches Amud Beis. Who me? No, no. Oh. Omar Rab Yosi, one of my favorite characters. Yehei Chelki Migomri Hal B'Chol Yom Halavai. It's one. It'd be wonderful if for someone should my my portion should be with someone who says Halal every single. Day. Says the Gemara, and is that really true? Bahamar Mar. Hakore Hala Bechol Yom Harizim Acharif Magad. If one who reads Hala every single day is tantamount to cursing and blaspheming God. Why that is? Not for now. So, Kikarin, this that he meant, you should say Hala every single day, the Psuke de Zimra. You should say Psuke de Zimra every day. Turn the page. What is Psuke de Zimra? Before we get all nervous, Says Rashi, Shnei Mizmarin. It's only two uh, chapters in Tehillim. That's it. That's it. What are they? Halu is Hashem and Hashemayim, and Halu El Bekocho. 
which is found after Ashray in the art in the art scroll. It's on page. Nah, you're, you're going too far. No. Yes. What spot? One fifty and and um, and and one forty-eight. Correct. Those two. Why those two? I have, don't have the foggiest notion. And after anyone was quoting it, they all sourced it to this Rashi. So if anyone knows, maybe I just didn't do enough research to look into it. Everyone's quoting this Rashi. No one said why. It's like, yeah, Rashi said it. Okay. But uh, that's what, so that, therefore, those become the two most important halukas. That Baruch Sha'amar, Yishtabach, and those two. Those two because Rashi said so. Again, not really sure. Why do we say Pesukah Zimra, by the way? What's it so important about Pesukah Zimra? So... There are a couple different reasons, and I'm, not, I'm only going to mention one of them. This was actually brought down. I'll, I'll, mention, I'll mention two of them. This one actually it was told to me by a Rebbe I had in ninth grade, of Shachna Weinberger. He's a Rebbe, he's a, he's a Rav and Pesayik. He's a Shtigl Chasidish leaning, I think, but he said as follows. And again, this is found in many other sources, but the way, way he put it to me was when one, if you just jump into Dabi Shmon Esrei, you're going to be all over the place, for sure. If you're already all over the place, right? There's the famous story. I think it was of Yol Tyler on the Sam Rebbe. He walked over to one of his uh, one of his students or congregants after davening and said, "Brochu Abayim." He's like, "I didn't go anywhere." He's like, "Huh? Darish Monesra, you were all over the world." So he says, "But but part of Sukkot Zimmer is supposed to do is it's, supposed, it's less about praising God for God's sake, but more about getting us into a certain mood so that we could get to the Iker of davening, which is Monesra, the most important part of davening, which is Monesra. That's one of the ideas. Another one. This is something. That, when I heard it, it really changed my Sugi de Zimra. It really changed it. And I want to share, share this idea with you because I think it really is transformative. It's really transformative. It's really something that can really, uh, it can really make a difference, especially my Shabbos davening, which I always flew through. Still do. But I heard an interview with Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg from Boca Raton Synagogue and Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. He, when Rabbi Goldberg wanted to start a podcast, so Rabbi Sachs in the community, he interviewed him for this podcast. Podcast never started. Or fast forward a couple to COVID. Ray Goldberg started a totally different type of podcast called Behind the Beamer. You can find it online. Where he interviews various people, talks about what's going on in the show. And then right after Ray Sachs died, he released this this um, this podcast. It's like a thirty-five minute interview with Ray Sachs. Very prompt. Like you can hear the voices of people in the background. It wasn't nothing professional. He just wanted to have his voice. In the context of it, Ray Sachs started talking about how, and this is something you can read in many eulogies. He loved Dominic. He loved to sing, which, by the way, the Mishnah Bura says that you shouldn't just say Baruch Shammar, you should sing it. You know, it's about creating certain, again, emotions, emotions and a certain mindset for Dominic. But Sachs loved singing, he loved music, he loved Dominic. And he started talking about the importance of Pesukah de Zimra. And he says as follows, I'm going to read it to you. For example, we say every day in Pesukah de Zimra, Mone misbar lekochavim lekulam shemos yiklam. Rabbi Sachs says as follows. If you slow down and you actually focus and meditate for a moment on the words, there are amazing ideas and amazing concepts in, in Tehillim. Every day we say God creates the cosmos and knows the name of every star. God and Jeff Bezos know everything that's going on in the galaxies. God, literally, every single star, think about the big grand picture, the galaxies and galaxies by galaxies, God knows every single one. Then we say the next, very next pasuk, Bona Yerushalayim. Well, not next pasuk. Bona Yerushalayim, Hashem, Nidcha Yisrael. God builds Jerusalem and ingathers the exiles. God's the shaper of history. 
God is someone who knows the world and all the, God, the cosmos. But in between those two verses is a middle verse. Who heals the broken heart and ministers to their wounds. There is David HaMelech telling us that sometimes healing one person's broken heart is as important as creating a universe or shaping history. You can live off that one sentence for a year. Take a moment and just like, how many times have we said that and never thought about that? Wait, God the shaper of history, God the creator of a world we can't even fathom. How magnificent and tremendous it is. And then God saying this message of he heals the broken heart. So I, I thought perhaps when I saw that, this really changed my my Zimra. I try to slow down. Pick one pair of somewhere I don't, can't do during the week. And Chavez have a little more time. And like, I saw start realizing these messages like latent in the Zimra that I want in my life. Now, who is you know, who is a Chavez Chaim who desires life? He was careful what they say. Sarlo Shon Chameiro. And like maybe perhaps part of the idea of Pesukim Zimra, it's like these mantras almost that we repeat and repeat and repeat, and they, somehow they have a little effect on us. And the idea, therefore, is really slow down for a minute, if just for one verse to recognize there's so much there, and that sets us up, of course, for encountering Hashem. It changes who we are as a person. So that's perhaps another reason why we say Pesukim Zimra partially mine, partially Rabbi Sachs. Okay. So, good. Our Pesukim Zimra, therefore, now right now we have Baruch Shamar Nishtabach, which we're going to talk about a little more, and then we have these two Halalukas. However, there's another pasuk, another excuse me, excuse me another gemara. <coughs> this gemara is in Brachos, I believe it's in Davdalat. I didn't write the daf. Omer Rabbi Elazar, Omer Rabbi Avini, Kol Omer Tehillah David, which is Ashrei, right? The Ashrei is the parak is actually Tehillah David. We add the Ashrei in those took him in, um, in the Siddur, but it's not in the actual in the actual text of Tehillim. Kol Omer Tehillah David. Anyone says Ashrei b'chol yom shalosh pa'amim three times muftach lo shu ben olam haba. It's assured to him that he's going to be a, have a place in the world to come. It does not mean you can go out and eat a cheeseburger and then just say Ashri three times. <laughs> and if it does, I'll see y'all. <laughs> um, why is that true? Why is this so? Says the Gemara. Mark gives one explanation. No, it doesn't work. Then it says, My time, Because we say, We open our hands up and say, Everything I have from you, everything I have in my life comes from you. Which seems to imply that the most important part of Sukkot de Zimra, all of Sukkot de Zimra is for that one verse, a recognition that everything we have in our life comes from Hashem. What better way to go into a Shmon Esra where we're asking God for things, So we mentioned last week, than to have that recognition ahead of time. Which is why if you look at the Sirits up on the side, have extra Kavana here, maybe even repeat Ashrei if you didn't, if you didn't, uh, if you didn't say it with proper Kavana. And it could be, you know, Whoever says howl every day, just praising God, God's like, I don't need your praise every day. But what God does need from us is our reliance in Him. God needs, God wants to see that we're, we're, we have this, some, a certain obvious subservience. Okay, but not, that's, that's more, leave that aside, but again, what, now what we're left with is, Baruch Shammar Yishtabach, two halukas, but the most important part is Ashrei. Which means if you're in a pinch, Baruch Shammar Ashrei Yishtabach, or Baruch Shammar Ashrei, two halukas Yishtabach, depending on how much time you have. I put in the next, Mari Makom, more because it's so important and less because it's part of the shear. But once we're talking about Pesukah Zimra, says the Shulchan Aruch, do not talk between Baruch Shamar and Yishtabach because Baruch Shamar is a bracha. Yishtabach is not just a random bracha, but it's the it's the concluding bracha. 
which means the entire Sukkot Zimra is looked at as one long bracha. In the same way, you wouldn't say, Baruch Hashem Al-Khalam, Hey, what's up? Hamosi Lechem in Aretz. Don't talk between Baruch Hashem and Yishtab, it's the same principle. It's the same principle. And uh, so much so, we, you have to be careful in even saying, Baruch Hu, Baruch Shemot. We don't say, um, there are those who say, if you do talk, you've got to go back and start from the beginning. It's like, it's like uh, what's it? Red Rover, not Red Rover. Red Light, Green Light. The catch, you got to turn around and run back. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Anyone know what I'm talking about? Red Light, Green Light? Exactly. got to start over. Shoots and ladders. Mother May. Mother May, I shoots and ladders. Shoots and ladders. If you talk and you're at the very end, back down. Don't don't collect the dollars. But you should not talk, even for a double mitzvah, because normally we say for a mitzvah you can talk, but again it's looked as one long bracha. Um, and then the shulchan just to add a little salt to the wounds here, or everyone look at it, and don't talk between yishtabach and and baruch uh, for other reasons. So you shouldn't be talking from the beginning of baruch shalmar. All the way till the end of Shemnesrei, not just because you'll disturb your neighbor, especially during talking. During this is one thing I'm going to go on a tangent here because why not? We do that tonight. If you don't talk loudly in a library because you don't want to disturb your neighbor, just common decency. Forget halacha. Don't talk while other people are in private Shemnesrei. Right? Can we all agree on that at least? Talk afterwards. Talk before. Dirk, why Shemnesrei? Someone's trying to connect. We're not going to talk in the library. So, uh, you know, they say the story about the certain individual wasn't so intelligent. He walked into a library once. said, hey, can I order a pie of pizza? The, it's a library. Sorry, can I order a pie of pizza? I thought that was funny. Okay. But, um, um, but again, just certain common decency. But in terms of from a halachic perspective, perspective, we look at it as one long bracha, and therefore one should not be talking. And that's what the word points out down below. Okay, where did it lead off? We have three minutes. I have this long Shulchan Aruch, and he basically says the reason you all came to the Shir, and that is what can be skipped, what must be skipped. And we can just read it inside, nice and quickly. Imba, the basic analysis. This is on the bottom of the source, page 5. You come to Shul, and you find the Shul has already began, and then say, um, and then it's fine. V'miyesh lo shows you have more time. Akach halos Hashem deshemayim ad leYisrael in Krov haluka v'akach halu abekachu. I call the Shemot haluka. So he says you say these two halukas and why these two? Now we know because Rashi said say them. And again, I don't know. I'm not trying to be irreverent. I'm not sure why Rashi said it, but that seems to be the source so far on behalf of that. So you come to show everything we know already makes a lot of sense. What happens if you have more time? So then you can, again, I don't. We don't have to go through all of it. He kind of t- starts telling you how to triage, when to say, um, in terms of the Tzuket Zimra. Furthermore, he says, if you come, if he's still need more time again, because the idea is to finish, um, to finish, to start, everyone wants to start Shemot at the same time. So he, if, therefore, you could skip as well. You say, And then you say, Okay, what if the tea already starts Yotzer R to go to a different minion? What if you can't? Um, so then again, you can kind of skip all that and you end up trying to get as close as you can to saying Shemones with the tea bar. Give me one sec. Uh, let's see what we have. Skip it means done? So that comes me? down to part of the discussion of why we say Pesukah Zimra. If you understand Pesukah Zimra is only to prepare you for Shemones, right? It seems to be that you don't have to go back and say it afterwards. If there's some inherent value beyond, I mean, there's always inherent value in saying Tillam, but beyond just first one S right, then you should go back. Okay, so that is that in a nutshell is 
that in a nutshell is basically what it comes down to. You come late to David, you have triage, Baruch Shemar, Ashri, Yishtabach, the two Halukas, say as much as you can. What about someone who can't David? What about a woman? So if you look here, I'm not going to go through it at all, You can because it's very self um, it's very, it's very clear. This is, just came from the Art Scroll Woman's Edition, kind of just going through all diving and showing what, what can and cannot be said. Again, partially because a woman's chiv is a little less, and also because with the understanding that they're, they're busy. And the one important line is, ultimately, it's, it's your decision to which prayer to include and which to leave out on any particular day, reflecting your personal situation and consciousness. Now, I want to point out, many, many women, when they hit a certain stage in life, where they can no longer, maybe it's go to Minion or dive the same way, it's very hard. Some people, I mean, it's not. For some people, it's very hard. And that's very normal. So I found this beautiful article by Ariella Davis. She's a Rebidson. She was a Rebidson for many years in South Carolina. Now she made Aliyah. And she said as follows. By, my, by the birth of my fourth child, it seemed like an impossibility to find time to daven in the morning. This is a woman, by the way, who said that she really connected to davening. It was her thing. I don't know if anyone here knows her. You know her? You know her. Got it. She, she said she really connected to Davin for many, many years. I think she said many, 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 three times a day or two times a day when she could. And then she kind of, you know, she found it impossible. Three years ago, I stood before Hashem and Rosh Hashanah and I committed to Davin. That commitment has changed my life. When frustrations are overwhelming, I now realize I don't have to carry it all, nor can I control it all. I can do my best and leave the rest for Hashem. When I'm tired, I ask God for strength and energy. When I don't know, don't know what the best decision is with regarding to parenting or to working with colleagues or congregants, I ask God for clarity. And after diving, somehow the answers seem more tangible. When things seem impossible, I ask God to carry me through. I will be honest and admit that I don't say nearly as much of the sitter as I did when I was younger and stick to the tefillahs that the Mishnah states that women are obligated to say. I also won't lie and say that every tefillah is an experience that moves Hashem and earth. There are definitely days that I mumble through. What I can say is that most days, more days than not, I find tremendous meaning in the words of the tefillah in a way that I never have before. And this, I believe, is applicable both to men and women, to everyone. We all, I assume on some level, struggle with topic. Maybe it's too long. Maybe the language is too difficult. Maybe we're just too busy. We want to have time to daven. And her point is, davening should be a continual experience, not just limited to show. Throughout the day, we should be turning to Hashem, talking to Hashem and connected to Hashem, which will enhance the Shul experience. But also just the ritual of going through the prayers we can pray will enhance our connection, whether we feel it right away or we don't feel it right away. It's going to give something, bring some certain meaning to our life and enhance our connection to Hashem, which always brings more meaning to everything we do. So with that, we conclude this four-part series, and we'll start another one at some point soon. Oh, yeah.